0: Hey everyone, this is Paul Siegel, and you're listening to Wandering DMs. Wandering DMs comes to you live every Sunday at 1pm Eastern, and you can catch us on twitch.tv wanderingdms, or youtube.com wanderingdms live. And now, on with the show. Hi, everyone, welcome to Wandering DMs. I'm Paul.
1: And I'm Dan, and today on Wandering DMs, we're going to be talking about mentorship in D&D. How do you give guidance to new players of a role-playing game? Or maybe memories, have you had good coaches or teachers that made an impact on your learning about a game or a sport? All that and more today on Wandering DMs.
0: Uh, Before we get into that, as always, I'll remind everyone that at the end of the show, we will be hosting our after-party chat on our private Discord server. Uh, That is a video chat with Dan and I and all of our patrons and you can join in that chat by becoming a patron. Visit us at patreon.com slash WanderDMs. Pitch in at any tier and you'll get an invite to the private Discord server and at 2 o'clock Eastern we'll be over there and you can uh, join us for the after chat.
1: We love that every week. We look forward to that so much. And of course, uh, good day to any of you if you're wrapping up uh, PAX Unplugged this Sunday. Uh, Hope you had a good weekend over there and uh, hope you have a good uh, travel home maybe as you're checking in with our Sunday show here. So uh, so uh, uh, the happy, happy PAX Unplugged, everybody.
0: Excellent, excellent. So um, things look to be working. Sorry, we had a little technical hiccup there uh, at the start, but it looks like we're on and I'm seeing viewers show up, so that's great. Um, Dan, thank you yeah. and thank you to our viewers for indulging me in somewhat of an unusual uh, topic today. Uh, this is this is mine, and uh, it's a little squirrely. Um, but let me let me give a little bit, if I can, a little bit of background of why this is on my mind. Uh, I'll sort of say as much as I can without breaking any NDAs. Um, but if you'll indulge me, um, this this is on my mind not actually because of Dungeons and Dragons, but because of Wizards' other uh, big license, uh, of course, uh, which is Magic: The Gathering. So recently, uh, I've had the need to. Really dive deep into Magic: The Gathering, uh, learn not only the mechanics of it, but the uh, you know, how it's created, how it's distributed, uh, the culture of Magic playing, etc. And personally, I have a little bit of an odd relationship with the game. Uh, maybe you do too, uh Dan. So, so players, Doctor Me, brother. Right? Yeah, <laughs> the viewers may be surprised. Neither Dan and I are really. I'm, I'm sure that there are lots of Magic players in our viewership, but uh, but I personally was never much of a Magic player. That said, I'm very aware of the game. In fact, I was at Gen Con 93 when it was released. And I was at Gen Con 94 when it really took off. I remember them having Wizards of Coast had wow. a little booth, just a normal booth in 93. And by 94, as I was walking through uh, Mecca in, uh, in Milwaukee, just you just couldn't walk down a hallway without just being lined with people sitting on the floor playing Magic. That's, that's, that was the wow. difference between 93 and 94. It, it was wow, crazy. Still is frankly huh. um but you know maybe they're they're a little more organized these days um and then personally like yeah i played a little bit of magic back then but um as the as the ccg craze kind of uh hit right and 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 lots of different ccgs came out i actually got involved in a different one uh personally i was a legend of the five rings or l5r player uh, for quite a few years uh, that game though didn't really survive the fad you know a, a lot of ccgs came out in the 90s and not really. <laughs> barely any of them really survived. I mean, these days, what do you see? Magic and Pokemon, is it's probably about the landscape these days. Uh, somehow those have survived, whereas all the others have kind of faded into the, into the historical annals. Um, anyway, why am I bringing up magic? So um, I, I needed to learn about it, and I needed to learn deep about it, not just, like, how to tap a card and how, what a land card is. Like, I, I knew the basics, but I needed to go deep. So I put a, a Facebook post out because I figured there are probably lots of Magic players in my okay. general acquaintance. And I just said, hey, friends, I, I need to learn Magic. Who lives nearby that would will be willing to meet up and like, talk to me, maybe play some games, etc." I got a lot of responses, frankly, a lot. There are Magic players, at least those in my acquaintance, are very eager to teach the game and to share it with uh, others. So uh, that was great. That was fantastic. But I just started to notice some things that struck me as a little odd as I, as I started to dig in. And maybe this is, um, you know, I, my experience is a little colored here by basically being away from the game for almost three decades. <laughs> right? So... Uh, <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, um, so when I... Um, what I what I remember from the game when it first came out is that y- there were two two different things you could buy. You could buy a starter deck and you could buy booster packs. Um, and the starter deck, I'll just I'll just show some visual aids here. So the starter deck was like a box of cards, like like you buy a normal poker deck, right? Came in this little foldy yep, yep. Box thing, right? Had about forty cards in there, and it was playable right out of the box. I buy a box, you buy a box, Dan. We can crack the crack the seal, get the cards out, and we can play. Um, and Great. then. You could also, and I think there was like 40 cards in there, and I think that was kind of standard size back then was 40 cards. I know it's... Yes,
1: hard. right. I think so. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Wow. And then
0: you could also buy a booster pack, which was a little foil-wrapped, you know, 15 cards. And the recommendation from Wizards of the Coast back then was, like, if you want to get into the game, buy yourself a starter deck and two boosters. It's a great way to start. That gave you just enough cards yep. to kind of yep. play around with like experience not only the game of playing against people, but also get a little bit of the customization, deck building part of the game, which is fascinating, right? Because I think that's a part of it, a part of the game that, um, you know, there's some commonalities here between these two games. There's a lot, frankly, a lot of commonalities between Magic and and, and Dungeons and Dragons. And one of them being that uh, there's this other part of the game that you do by yourself, right? Maybe only us DMs kind of- or taken that as part of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, eh, my players probably spend some time poring over books and looking at their characters and tuning stuff. So there's, exactly. there's a, yep. a solo component to this game, as well as what you actually do at the table with friends.
1: Yep.
0: Here's what struck me as really weird, Dan. These starter boxes, they don't exist anymore. They don't make them. It's not a what? thing. Yeah. What? So, like, you know and and yes there's various ways to get in the game now that's digital there's there's magic the gathering online and there's um there's magic uh, arena which is more folks are playing that um okay and and whatnot but if you want to go to a store and buy some cards there there are some things that they sell that are specifically starter kits which come with like two pre-constructed okay. decks and a rule book and like very very much geared to like this is how you learn how to play Right. It is very much an introductory, learn to play the game with this thing. Other than that, it's just boosters. Huh. Um, And it's really bizarre um, because, um, you know, so I mean, heck, let me show this other thing. Wait, Wait, I got one other picture here. This this came back then in 93. This came in your box of cards. You got you got a starter deck came with 40 cards in it, a lot of lands because that's important to building your magic deck. You can't, the game is not yep, really playable yep, sure. without a lot of lands in your, in your, in your deck. And uh, this little booklet, you know, card-sized bo- rule book that that taught you how to play the game, right? Well, that's not available in boosters. So when I went out and just like, I was like, I don't know, I guess I need right. to buy some
1: cards. Right. I, bought,
0: I bought a whole bunch of boosters. Right. In fact, I bought, mm, I'll just show it to you. I bought this, this sucker. This is one of the more recent okay. sets. Um, you know, this is a box of 30 boosters in here.
1: Oh, crack them open
0: no rules I had to go online to find the rules um, you know maybe I should have bought the starter set but I was like I kind of know the basics of how to play the game I don't need that starter nonsense right okay. I can just dive in
1: Yeah. Okay. Every,
0: every one of those boosters came with a precisely one land card which means even though I have this giant box of cards I can't really build a playable deck There's no. not enough land in there what yeah really yeah isn't that weird? Oh, my. <laughs> oh, jeez. It's, ver- it's for, for a new player coming in, and I'm sure I'm doing it wrong, frankly. I'm sure I'm making some blunders here. in yeah. What I'm doing and how I'm doing this, but I made some blunders. Now, I'm not worried about it because of the outpouring of support I got on Facebook. Right. I could probably go out there. I'm sure there are resellers who will send me tons of lands for pennies, because I know that okay. anybody who's serious <laughs> into collecting magic cards eventually just has a surplus of those cards. Uh, for those those who don't play the game, it's the basic resource of the game. There's five colors. There's five types. You probably want 20 of each, maybe, so you can build different color-based decks. Um, so everyone that's contacted me, like, the first thing i say is, would love to talk about it. I know all about the rules. Happy to teach you stuff. Happy to sit down. I have some pre-built decks we can sit down and play, and we can play them. Also, I have a ton of extra cards, and I'm happy to give them to you. I got a lot of that. Yeah. People have been playing the game for yep, a long time. Okay. Are like, you know what? I'm just, okay. I'm, you know, my closets are overflowing with cards. I'm sure any one of them, if I was like, yeah, I don't have yeah. enough lands, they would immediately slap down the table. Here's, you know, hundred lands. Enjoy, right? Because they're just, <laughs> you buy enough boosters and whatnot. Eventually, you're swimming in these cards. It's the most common card in the game. Okay, but it's weird yeah. that you know, and I'm sure for the people who've been playing a long time, as they're buying boosters, they're like, oh, another land, right? And they chuck it, right? Who needs that? So it's like one less valuable card in their booster pack, right? So the interesting thing to me is that the way the game is being sold is much more targeted at experienced players than at new players, right? The new player experience is kind of weirdly delegated to either the online stuff, definitely, yeah, yes, I've learned a lot just by jumping in and playing some Arena, or through this communal way of like, well, go to the store, go to a tournament, find a friend who plays, Find a mentor, here we go, found it, there's, there's our topic. Find a mentor to show you how to <laughs> Seems to be kind of built in, right? Like, seems like they're meaning it. And what struck me as really weird is this is like exactly opposite to me of the progression that we saw with D&D. And, and what I'm talking about here is if in 1974, you bought this thing, right? Mm. And you were not a war gamer, and you were not a person who like really understood gaming concepts and you open these books and you read them, you were probably lost, right? You probably had no idea, right? These books are hard to consume if you are not, if you don't know the lingo and you don't know, right? I mean, heck, you know, we make fun of this all the time, Dan, right? Like right there in the like listed required equipment is, you know, another game. Okay, what? Right. <laughs> I got to go buy another game called Outdoor Survival? What? But of course they, you know, they're like, yeah, of course you have that right. game, right? Of course you do. Uh,
1: right. Right, exactly. And
0: and I (laughs) I feel like anytime we talk to people who are around the game...
1: Chainmail, you need two prior games.
0: Yeah, that's right. You also need Chainmail. Right. But I feel like most people I talk to who who were around when this came out and were playing this edition of the game, um, most of them have a very common story about how they got into the game, which usually involves, well, I knew someone. I knew someone who was playing and they brought me in, right? And I feel like in the early days, that's how this game spread, right? I I think... You know, this is a bit of conjecture, but, but based on what I've heard from folks, the, the, the creators of D&D did not expect this level of success, just like I'm sure the creators of Magic didn't expect their level of success, right? It was just, it was huge, you know, whatever, surprise, and, um, and as it became more and more popular, right, they started to create things to help the mass market, right? You start to see, right, you know, stuff like this come out. Basic set, like there more, a little I more started. consumable, a little more, yeah, yeah, right, right, and it's definitely targeted well at, fun. yeah, it's it, right, it's targeted at like you're a new player, maybe you don't have a mentor who's teaching you how to play this game because you've just heard about it. Yeah, yeah, right, right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so let's let's you know help you you know down that road. And I feel like as versions of D and D have come out, I don't know. I w- I guess I would say. If I cracked open the 5th edition player's handbook right now, I would say there's probably a lot of text in there that's like trying to get me to understand the basic concepts, right? Which is utterly missing from this version of the game.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it's just that's interesting true. to me that D&D kind of went the other direction. Like D&D started in a place where like mentorship was required, right? There was no way you were going to get into this game without being plugged into the community. Whereas Magic started with this, like, you've never heard of a game like this, which is true, right? It was a, it was a kind of a new concept. Yep. Yep. So it came with, like, they gave advice, you know, if there's a rule book in the box, here's the basic set. You can just buy two of these and just go play. And then, um, you know, and then now these days, it feels like the way you get into Magic is know a Magic player, right? <laughs> go, go to your local store, go okay. to a local tournament, go to a friend who knows how to play. They'll, they'll help you get into it. Fascinating. I Is that have, good or bad, Dan? But well, that's, that's, my, a, great question. Question that's a great question. That's a great question. Is that there. good or bad?
1: <laughs> I mean, let me just let me just throw up uh, the, the, the comment that William made as you just as you asked this. I'm, I'm reading William's comment. It says these are the types of games that I just bounce right off of. Uh, large, hard to buy in. You need a mentor. And Then there's the competitive nature, a bunch of other stuff, uh, which can make the teaching learning relationship tricky. Um, and thanks for that, William. And, you know, I think for some of us, uh, me, I, I guess um, that's a heavy lift. Uh, reaching out uh, to other people might not be entirely in my uh, social wheelhouse asking for help, um, you know, my, my you know, where I grew up, a very rural area upbringing was like, raise yourself up by your own bootstraps, kid. Um, and, you know, re- reaching out for a network of help was was a huge blind spot for me. Uh, for a very long amount of time actually, so um that would I agree with william that would be that would actually be very at, at a particular age it'd be very hard lift for me to proactively find and plug into a system like that frankly hmm. um and as as we 've alluded to before, and as I kind of you know um, uh sign language while you were talking there um you know i i 'm a person that did pick up the homes basic set that you that box that you picked up there uh was the only person in my town or community that ever heard of this game, absolutely didn't have a mentor, and taught everybody else how to play it. So yep. that that I mean, box likewise, right
0: there. Similar ish story for me, except it was this box. Yep. This was this was my yep. entry. But um but similar ish. And and
1: the where we'll just, just say go on. that, yeah. that that Moldvay box right there right so, another you know another classmate of mine we were still in elementary school got that for a gift said I can't figure this out handed that box to me and said could you please run a campaign for us that was actually the wow. longest running campaign I ever ran actually was using those Moldvay rules went from I believe probably like 5th grade all the way through the end of high school like we were yep. running we were running with that set um, and the follow-up expert set. So I have a very fond spot for those those two early basic sets. Interesting, interesting.
0: I mean, for me, um, you know, as I thought about this, I was trying to quantify like, did I have a mentor or not? Now the fact is, um, I came across this box set not because I bought it or not because someone bought it for me, but because my father bought it for my mother, because this was targeted at the mass market mm-hmm. and. And dad was like, I don't know. She likes this kind of stuff, right? It's got dragons and fantasy stuff. I don't know. Cool. And she looked at it and was like, I don't know what the heck this is, and stuck it in her closet. (laughs) And then, you know, a year or two later, my brother and I come across it and decide what the hell is this mystical, crazy looking thing. And it's actually my older brother who dug into it because by that time, I'm still too young, frankly. I definitely can tell you I I have a strong memory. Yeah, I have a strong memory of looking at this book and seeing right here in the corner, it says, the original fantasy role-playing game for three or more adults ages 10 and up and thinking uh oh i'm gonna get in trouble i'm too young to read this book
1: you, you know um. <laughs> I, I had you know, i had another friend that was in it. the same the same ballpark and i think one of the boxes said "15 or 13 or something like that as i recall oh. and we were, sa- we were in the same we were in the same the, the, we were exactly in that situation where he'd gotten it as a gift and he'd like left it on his shelf because like, well, I'm not old enough. And I, and I was the one and I'd already been DMing for a while. I was like, well, screw that. Hand, give me, hand that to <laughs> me. I'll run, I'll it run over a game right now, buddy. That's not, <laughs> yeah. there's, no, there's no D&D police yet.
0: Yeah. So, so for me, <laughs> the thing was my older brother is the one who actually got into it. Uh, he, he tried to teach me. Frankly, I was still too young. I was too young to play the game. Didn't really understand it. Didn't have the patience or the, or the attention span to, to deal with it. Um, and then he ended up dumbing it down uh, to the point of like we played a thing that was definitely not Dungeons and Dragons, which was much more like free form childish make believe. But it had the basic concepts of we're telling a story together, and I had a piece of paper that had some things written on it about my character, and we I got into the concept of role play that way. Right then, you know, I still didn't I wasn't crazy about it. Didn't like it very much, frankly, as a little kid. Uh, eventually when I got old enough to become interested in it, and that's when I started reading it. And frankly, old enough, meaning like, I don't know, what was I eight maybe by the time I'm reading that book and thinking, oh no, I'm going to get in trouble because I'm not quite 10. He had already moved on. He was already done with the game.
1: Yeah.
0: In fact, that's just been true. He, he never really. So was he a mentor? I don't know. He did kind of introduce me to the game and the basic concept of role play. But as for like actually getting into like, okay, I want to sit down and play D&D. It was me in that box and that's it. Um so that's fascinating. Now now I think I would I would I would propose to you Dan and I think this is maybe was said in the chat somewhere that 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 mentorship some form of mentorship some form of uh experienced players teaching inexperienced players is still intrinsic to the game of D&D and possibly possibly less so in terms of just learning the rules but definitely in terms of going from being a player to a DM I think. I think that Okay, it's not really a thing. I think anyone that I'm aware of, apart from you, Dan, and maybe me, who like read the book and was like, all right, I'm going to figure out how to do this, right? I think usually, much more frequently, the answer is, um, you experience being a player, you're like, this is fun, I want to do this more, I guess I have to run my own game, I guess I have to be the DM, how do I do that? And I've gone through this, actually, with a lot of people over time of like people sure. who I've introduced the game to, uh, or or not, who people who are players of mine who eventually got to the point of like, I want to run a game and then came to me for advice. How do I do it? What do, what how you know, what do you do? Right? <laughs> and it's it's fascinating because it's not it's not a thing where I'm like, oh well, just take these here are these 10 easy steps that you need to follow. Bump, bump, bump go be a right. DM. Right? It's usually much more right. like, well, you've played, you've watched me DM just do it, just try, right? I'll, hear, I'll answer your questions. Like if you have questions, hit me, right? And I'll answer them,
1: but like
0: the, the, at, at some point you just got to do it, right? You just got to get in the driver's seat, yeah. and run a game yeah. and, and see what happens. Yeah.
1: There are times when I fear that, because you know, now that you say that, I actually have not had the experience of someone close to me who was a player that that actually transitioned to DM like that. Um, that I that I guided, and there are times when I fear that um, it looks too forbidding, like like it looks looks too mysterious what the DM is doing, um, and because to me it feels you know very very natural, like that's basically my experience of B and D is from that side of the screen, um, and like I have a I have a lot of players that go oh no no I could never do that, and I'm like well it's there's not it doesn't it doesn't feel like there's that much to it. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, the, uh, the rare, the, the rather infrequent times when I am a player, when I sit on the other side and I'm maybe one of your, your players, I usually have a, a beat somewhere in the session where I go, why on earth would anyone do this? <laughs> <laughs> this is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> what Playing D&D, geez, that's, this is, this is the hard, this, this is hard. I don't want, that's the hard part. I don't know how anybody gets this side of it. Jeez, send me back over there.
0: That is, you're definitely, I think you're definitely an outlier here, Dan.
1: (laughs) I've only got one character in this session, my lord. That's a lot of pressure. um,
0: You know, I have definitely been in the position, and this is, you know, we, we were talking about this up front of like what, you know, when i proposed this topic i was like i had this anecdote about this discovery between the differences between magic and TND, but thinking that they both kind of are very similar in this like how how is the game spread right really like not not just taught but spread uh you know across a community of of people who like to play games um I kind of knew it was like this weird topic, and I wasn't sure where it was going to go. But I, my gut told me if we started talking about it, we would easily fill an hour. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to come up with like what is my thesis, and I think I feel like my thesis here is that like mentorship is intrinsic to role play, um, and I've I've run plenty of games that were des- specifically designed to be introductory games. Now, this is again, this is probably just me that I'm in these weird positions, but I've been at video game companies where we had a, a, a license to the D&D license. And suddenly there's this energy in the office of like, well, we should play the game, right? We should let's play the game. I don't know who Paul? you know how to run this game Run this game for us. Right. So I've done that plenty of times. I also remember when when old school was starting to become a thing right around like 2008 to 2012, somewhere in that time range where I would run stuff at game stores or conventions that were very much like introduction to old school D&D. Right? And yeah, that was kind of targeted at people who are used to the modern game and like, hey, guess what? There's an old version maybe you should give it a try. But um, but I also got plenty of players at the table who were like, it's says introduction. I've never played, let's play, right? <laughs> um, so I've definitely introduced the game to a lot of people and I have been in that position uh, plenty of times where somebody that I've been playing with a few times is like, yeah, I want a DM. How do I do it? And I go, well, I'm happy to be a resource. This is like, I feel like this is where it gets into really like not just teaching, but mentorship, right? Where I'm like, I'm available to you to help you through this process. You still have to do it, right? You are still have to figure out for yourself how to be a DM. But I'm here as a resource. which is which is fascinating and and i don't like there's plenty of books out there right how to dm right there's whether you're talking about the dungeon master's guide which frankly i don't think is a good resource for how to dm i i don't know it's it's a little i feel like the dungeon master's guide is usually an intimidating because it is it's trying to both be that and be a reference of like here's just a pure reference of like right i feel like sometimes it's like trying to say some to someone oh you want to learn how to speak english here's a dictionary Right, <laughs> like, eh, is that, mm, is that really going to work?
1: <laughs> I think I'll maybe say, more- okay, I will. I will. The guide is a little. Better, I will but- differ that I thought that the first edition DM's guide ri- written by Guy Gax was to me very useful. Um, mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm learning from the book, so yep. you could interpret that and say this is as close to a mentorship as I had. Um, very discursive. I mean, maybe that's part of what people don't like about it. Um, I felt that I got a lot of the, the the intent and the motivation and the sensibility of like how would these cases be judged um, at his table, um, and the uh, the player's handbook and the monster manual are very much more technical. Here's some stuff. Here's a bunch of spells. Here's a bunch of monsters. And at least the first edition DM's guide has a lot more conversation stuff. And I I will probably the first edition, the first edition DMs guide is probably the book that I have reread the most times. Period. End of story. (laughs) Um, So at least for me, at the right at a particular age, that was actually a very useful resource. I thought. Now you know, other people will differ. uh, I'm just going to just for a a full disclosure, uh, Lore Sudo is saying I thought the first edition DMs guide was awful for learning. So uh, great, I'm I'm kind of with
0: Lore Sudo on this one. Uh, totally agree. I okay. just find that that density of text uh, overwhelming, especially when it is that combination of both how to and everything. Right? Just here is the 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 ultimate reference guide of all the rules of everything. Right? Like you're both getting potentially like you know here's how to organize a game and here's how to get your friends together and blah blah blah. Right? This, this is how to do the logistics and you're also getting like here are all the rules for poison. Right? Here are all the rules for here's how to break down turns okay. into segments. It's just, it's a lot. Now, there's other secondary books, I think, that have come out since. Heck, we just inf- interviewed uh, Justin Alexander, who has that book, uh, So You Want to yep. Be a Game Master, which I think is an excellent resource. But again, I'd right be surprised. Now. Yeah, I'd be surprised if that was anyone's introduction to the game, right? I feel <laughs> but maybe, maybe that's what he's targeting, but, um, I feel it like could be again it was... I mean
1: having 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 read it again it's it's uh, my my comparison's like a universal gear it, it is an interesting book that uh, that Justin wrote it does start at the most basic things and it very quickly ramps up to very elaborate sophisticated oh. things all in the same book is one of the interesting things about it I think it is probably a great book
0: uh, for a potential DM to read of like well I don't have a mentor so how do I go about it boom here's this book yeah. But I wouldn't be surprised if it's a little unusual for them to come across that, right? Versus, like, well, I don't know, I'm yeah. dimly aware of D anD want to be a DM. I guess I'll buy the books, right? You, that that would be my instinct. Yep. Let me go buy the
1: official books. Yep. yep. So, um. Let me just yeah. throw. Out, let me just throw. Out, so, Josh had an interesting point. So, again, because we normally talk about. You know, Dan, Paul being the outliers is having not had mentors when we got into DMing and me having learned absolutely from the book. And therefore I like, needed something like DMs guide. So, so Josh is, is um, and, and we're saying that we're outliers for that. And so Josh is saying here as somebody who was a first generation player, it was literally years before I gained with a DM who got into it with a mentor, which is an interesting, an interesting vote um on that side of it and again you know i was getting into it uh pretty early on still the 70s just barely um you know and there wasn't where i where as it was being mass produced there just wasn't anybody around yep. to be a mentor so you know, somebody that founds a, you know, like, like, you know, Gary didn't have a mentor for D and D or whatever. Well, I mean, okay. At least Dave Arneson didn't have a mentor for D and D. We can all agree with that. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So, yep. um, so for any particular discipline, there's somebody that had to be, had to be first or yep. a generation yep. that had to be first. At
0: least. Sure. Well, and likewise, like if I, if I continue to draw this, um, you know, uh, kind of a comparison to Magic the Gathering, or current day Magic the Gathering, which I think is, that's why I like making that comparison because this is happening right now, right? In the Magic the Gathering community that it's not written anywhere, right? Nowhere uh, did I find anything official from Wizards of the Coast that said, hey, you want to get into this game? Maybe go down to a game store and, you know, meet some people, right? (laughs) Like that's, no. But it is the message I'm getting from the community at large on the internet, through you know, through friends, uh, whatever. Just generally, the messaging I get is like, "Yeah, you should find someone who knows the game well and sit down and play with them. They'll be happy." They always, frankly, again, maybe this is just my circles, but everyone that I've talked about it would is psyched to share their passion with me. Right? They're they're yep, very excited right. to get, get a chance to convert a new person to the game they love, and and again, they're they're like, "Yep." Willing to teach? Absolutely. Have extra cards, right? Let me let me ease it. In, let me ease you into the game by like you can play with some decks that I've built, so you don't have to deal with the whole deck building part up front, right? Let me give you some cards. Yes. Let me give
1: you a deck, yep. right? And yes, which is kind of analogous wizards to possibly funny. like pre-generated characters in D D, right? Way it yeah. ease ease you into yep. that process. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yep. And 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 to the to to that end, like wizards definitely. And TSR over the time has definitely tried to do this and continues to try to do this. Right, I can see right now if I go into Amazon and I search for Magic the Gathering, you, I am one of the top things is going to be that starter kit. That is, here's a starter kit, right. everything you need to figure out how to play Magic the Gathering. Right. Um, we saw TSR do countless iterations of trying to teach D and D from those those basic box right. sets that we were looking at. Uh, I remember the big black basic box set, which tried to kind of board gamify right. it. I remember, uh, was it called endless? It endless? No, that's the that's the that's the choose your own adventure books. There was a there was a I have boxes of the stuff up in my attic where they did like things that came with audio CDs, where they like you could sit down and play a game with a with a not real DM, right? Like the, like a CD that kind of walked you through.
1: Is there a was there a line of like Gateway to Adventure or something like that, or was that just the 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 logo to the company at some point in the eighties that I'm thinking of?
0: Gateway to Adventure was like the the, the actually I have it right here because it came in the basic yeah. box set. Right there was mm-hmm, Gateway to Adventure. That's what I'm um, thinking of. Which that's which is which of. is a catalog, Dan. It's a it's a it's a yeah yeah catalog. That's, 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 <laughs>
1: Now, well, I will say, yeah. right, there's an overwhelming need for that basic introductory thing. And the, the thing that pops into my head is that the Holmes uh, basic set, right, was being developed at the same time at, that Gary was working on what was going to be advanced D&D, right? And they I think they were both coming out in 77, 78. And so you had these mm-hmm. parallel tracks of um, Eric Holmes working on what's going to be you know his as editor the the first D basic set while gary's working on his magnum opus of advance what's going to be advanced dungeons and dragons with the first ever hardcover books for gaming and it's elaborate art and all this kind of thing yeah. and um and we know that um you know gary actually edited you know gave an editing pass to the holmes basic and he inserted a bunch of you know for higher levels you should look for all cats advanced dungeons and dragons <laughs> but for the you know, if you want higher level or you want halflings to be thieves, advanced Dungeons and Dragons, <laughs> and he had some commentary right, and he had some commentary in Dragon magazine when they came out right, and if you read between the lines just a little bit, you see that the 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 basic set right, which is which gets you into hobby shops right and toy stores for the first time, was. Uh, an explosive success, an explosive success that wildly outshone the advanced d d books that were coming out, right? Where I don't know what the multiplier is, but was some multiple times much more successful than the A D D and d books. And you can see a little bit of uh, just a slight little bit of poutiness on Gary's part of he's a little ticked off that his right elaborate multi, you know, multi volume hardcover book set. Is being vastly outsold by Holmes basic set. And that's actually why we have Keep on the Borderlands, right? Initially, uh module B one was meant to be included in the basic set in Search of the Unknown by Mike Carr. And but um that's that's a lot of money left on the table for the creator of that adventure. So Gary sat down and said, Oh, okay, well, I'm gonna have B2 replace it with my name in the basic set and that's actually nope. why we, nope. we have because he was a little bit grousey about but about how honestly well the market responded to that basic set we we kind of needed that. That, that that makes a lot of sense to me um a quick quick uh uh nod
0: here to william who uh identified first quest is the product i was thinking of earlier. Oh, that came that's that's the thing absolutely and there was a ton of different stuff that came out in the 90s that was trying to teach D D to uh to a, a mass audience who didn't know it at all, but um, but let me go back to like it makes so much sense to me as coming from the world of video game development, um, and, and you, you, heck, we can we can talk about this in regards to uh, Pool of Radiance, which you recently played in the uh, damn Plays games from the Elder Times. You can absolutely tell that the early yeah. content is the content that gets most iterated. Right, it makes sense to me that the basic game would outsell the advanced game because. Only some subset of people who got through the basic game and were like, "I want more are gonna buy the advanced yes. game, right Yes, <laughs> like, it yes. makes sense, oh, of course, course it's going to outsell it, right, just like of course, more people played the slums in full of radiance than actually fought Thraxis at the end great, <laughs> great point, right? great point, right? yeah.
1: yeah totally so anyway, totally um, so i, I... so <laughs> what do you think makes so This is a really rich vein that we found, and I feel I would have another three hours of stuff I could say on this. So, you know, just just briefly, what do you think makes for a good mentor in that kind of situation, Paul?
0: Yeah, it's very interesting. It's something I've thought about a lot because, uh, again, because I have had these requests in the past of like, hey, I want to take up DMing. How do I go about doing that? Um, And it's hard. I think that like, there are three, in my mind, there are kind of three ways that you kind of come to grips with how the game is played, right? One, one is by reading, right? You can read the text, just read the text and imagine what the game is like, whether that's the raw rules or a, a book like So You Want to Be a Game Master. Uh, you can observe it, right? You can go watch some streams and, and like actually watch people playing the game, um, but in a passive right. way.
1: Or, or you can or maybe you like can... instructional information in, in an online right. stream, perhaps. I mean like right right I mean if you have anything you would recommend
0: Oh I mean uh, obviously a critical role um uh yeah you know I I'm, I'm talking about like just you're just observing someone in the act of running a game right you it, can observe someone who Got plays it. just like you could frankly just be a player in a game and observe the and and take the stance of like I'm really going to watch what the DM's doing so I can figure out how to do that myself right Yeah, yeah. it's a different yeah, mindset pretty- to bring to the table and th- and then there's just like kind of the, the learn by doing right of just just get in there just just try it, see what happens. Make make the mistakes yeah. and and let her roll, let her rip. Yes. Um, so, Incredible as a right, right, and and personally, I know we all have different ways that we learn. We all learn kind of in our own in our own styles. For me, the the last option is the best. Of just just get in there and try. And good luck and make some failures and off you go. Um, and so that's frankly what I usually encourage people when they're like, oh, how, how should I do it? I'm like, you're overthinking it. Just get in there and do it. And, and then as a mentor, what, I, what I'd like to try and do is say I can be a resource to you. When you have questions, you can ask me. If you would like me to play in your first game so I can just be like a passive player that you could turn to and lean on is, as needed, I'm willing to do that. Or I could just be like a, a, a mostly silent co-GM. I'll, I'll be your you know caddy. <laughs> well, uh, your your gopher who's there to help and nudge and and give advice as you play. Um, those are those those latter two are a little difficult for me because like I, it takes some effort to like back away and be like it's not my game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Agree. Yeah, agreed. I don't be the reins, just yep. be the resource. But other than that, yes, I, I, I don't have good ideas. I mean, do you have good ideas of like how how else can you be a good mentor to someone who's trying to learn to be a DM?
1: Well the you know so i would fall back so having not really been in that specific situation i would certainly fall back on you know the fact that you know my my job is as a college teacher uh for my for my day job so i certainly have um at this point lots and lots of experience you know introducing new people to you know disciplines in uh computer programming or or math or things like that and it's a slightly different situation right it's a different scale um so i have you know, rooms of a, you know, at least a dozen or two dozen um, people that I'm trying to scale up to. Now, that's a legitimate number of players that you can have at the table, right? According to original D and D books, or you know, Bill Webb's game we were in, or we've had games you know with players in the teens that I've gotten to to run. Um, so the um, you know the take so I I like I have you know I I read a you know some of my bookcase here are books about how to be a better college teacher actually um, and you, completely coincidentally I'm the the past week or so I've been rereading uh, Daniel Willingham's Why Don't Students Like School and what what can you do to to make that different um, and uh, Willingham's a, a cognitive scientist who tries to bring you know how do people learn you know brain research to the table. And his, um, you know, what, one of his takes in here as far as when people do um, uh, evaluations, when students, you know, college students do evaluations of their instructor, there's usually like a dozen questions or so. But according to Willingham, it basically boils down to two things. And it boils down to, are they, is the instructor nice and organized? More or, le- <laughs> more or less that just predicts. All the results in any kind of student evaluation is you should be nice and you should be organized. So, more wow. or less, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna mentor, you should know you should know the game pretty well. Um, you should probably give some advanced thought to what the first couple things to think about are. Like I would I would want to prep before, okay, and I okay, I over-prep everything in my entire life. I get it, but I would want to, you know, think about like what are the top five or six things that I would want people to think about the first time they DM maybe, something like that. And, mm. uh, you know, obviously you're probably not going to be engaging in the D&D hobby with something that you fundamentally dislike, but, you know, being welcoming and being inclusive and really listening and, um, you know, like like Isabel had a really great running coach that she she adores to death. And she said the thing was she came in and she saw like, really heard and saw where are you where are you as the student right now and think about what do you need right now to possibly improve a little bit and it's going to be different for everybody so um i think i think according to willingham at least those two things would be really essential of you know first of all listen what is what is what is the other person's concerns what are they worried about possibly stepping into the dm seat and I think your idea about like actually watching them uh, run it the first time and being available to iterate and to have um, have a, a post mortem yeah. um, is uh, would be would be incredibly important. The other thing, you know, I'll just just to pitch out another thing. There's a there's a famous book. It's twenty years old now by like, Ken I, Bain because- called "What the Best College Teachers Do." Yeah, go ahead.
0: Uh, I, I need to stop you just because I, I, I feel like there's a great point yeah. you just made that we, I want to underscore, yes. which, is, which is to retrospect, yes. right? To absolutely yes. retrospect. I think that's huge. After, after right. they ran a game, especially if it's one that you observed or got re- streamed or whatever, like, it is a great opportunity right. to sit down and be like, well, you no. know, what went well? What went, what went poorly? Like, what, yes. you know, what challenged yes. you? What, what did you struggle with? Yeah, let's talk about that stuff. Mm-hmm.
1: And that's why go I bring up on. the Bain, the Bain book because yeah because for that exact yeah. same reason he's got about eight chapters there but the culminating one and exactly what I want to emphasize is, is improvement and it's a it's a constant but whether you're a college teacher right committing to forever iterating and finding opportunities for improvement is is really critical to getting to that that top tier and i'm not only am i you know looking for ways to improve my teaching all the time but i'm looking for ways to improve on my improvement to teaching like even in the just the last um semester i came up with these these timed log sheets that while i'm in class every 20 minutes goes by and actually log what i've been doing and how long it takes so i can reflect on later where my priorities were, and what things went well, and what things I can improve in the future, so even even now I'm coming up with better ways to commit to the constant improvement yeah,
0: I mean, the funny thing is I've run plenty of games where I was trying something a little different, right and 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 I will say after the fact, well, this game was a bit of an experiment, I was trying to figure out if this yeah. you know if doing something like this is a good idea. And, and I always catch myself as I'm saying that because I realize, and this is probably advice I should give to anyone who's starting out to DM, is that every game is an experiment. That every single great. game I've yeah. ever run right. is always right. with the aim towards, well, how can I do it better next time? That's great. Couldn't <laughs> I don't think so I've ever ended a game well. and been like, done, perfect.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? The very Nailed thought, it. Paul. The very thought is to laugh. Right, tis to laugh. Yeah, it's it's always an ongoing experiment, and and commit to that. Right, go. go. You're gonna get done. You're gonna feel awful about some stuff. Right, you're gonna. I'm gonna yep. feel. Oh my god, that was just a tragic misstep that I made a couple times. And and write it down. Right. keep a logbook. Right, keep a keep a notebook where you jot down your thoughts in the the hour after you ran the session, and you can re- reflect on that and think about how to get how to get better as a DM. Yeah. You know, before before we run out of time, I just want to touch back to where we started with this was you in the situation right now of feeling for some crazy ass reason, feeling compelled to pick up Magic the Gathering in 2023 of all things. So, you know, I couldn't sympathize more. Right. I've been in this situation in the past and I want to call out that, like I, I said the other day to you, I don't think I've ever had a Magic the Gathering card physically in my hand ever. Right. And you you know, you know, and I have obviously not played Magic the Gathering. I've never played Magic the Gathering. But you know, Paul, I don't think we'd know each other if it wasn't for Magic the Gathering, right? If it wasn't yeah. for the, right, the boom, <laughs> right? See, I, I, yeah. I, as soon as I said yeah. that, you'd yeah. realize what I'm saying, right? If it wasn't for Magic yeah. the Gathering, there wouldn't be a CCG sure. boom. And there wouldn't be the company that we met at, because we, we met at, of course, we've mentioned a couple of times, this, we met at a company in Boston called Genetic Anomalies that was making an online collectible card game about the earliest one called X. It's it, I believe it's you know shifted hands a number of times. I think some version of it's still viable today. Um, and of course, the main um, win for it had a viable game that made money. Uh, we, were, we weren't we were the principals, we were hired there, just that we were both starting our careers. And the main, you know, win for that company was when they pitched uh, to make Magic the Gathering Online. Um, we weren't part of the pitch. Previously, when we had Peter Adkinson on as a guest, I kind of roasted him a tiny little bit about why they didn't pick our company, why we came in second for Magic the Gathering Online um but that's how we got you know you and I got started in our video game careers and look we wouldn't you know this show wouldn't exist and you and I wouldn't even know each other if it wasn't for Magic the Gathering and thank goodness that uh, that Garfield threw that in the 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 world and it took off yeah
0: yeah for sure um yeah it's it's a you know it's a funny thing cuz every time I tell people that of like oh yeah actually I started my, my I got my start in the gaming industry in the video game industry Making online CCGs, and these days, I, I feel like I, there was a time when I said that, and people are like, "Oh, really?" Right? And now, oh yeah, that makes sense. This is generally the response I get, and I'm like, "No, you don't understand how weird that is. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was 1999. Yeah, <laughs> I was making an right? online CCG in 1999. Right? Like we were gnashing our teeth over the idea yeah. that like people are going to want to buy digital cards." are not going to see value oh, in that thing that doesn't exist in the
1: physical space. <laughs> I couldn't make that comprehensible to my parents. I, yeah. I, me trying to explain what was happening, where we were. Uh, I, I did have one. Right. I did have one video game job before that, and even that was that was already difficult. But yeah, yeah. Co- collectible collectible bits and trying to um, you know, <laughs> admittedly, a little bit before its time, frankly. Um, It absolutely was. was. I mean, when I think about
0: the the model, the business model of that company was they gave the game away for free and then sold online collectibles in the game. I mean, now, these days, that's like, yeah, of course, that's just how you do business, right? It's, it was
1: crazy right it's fully 20 right 20 years before cryptocurrency or a uh, bitcoin or blockchain or you know and uh, that and people like how are we going to use these nfts i have these cards they're nfts they're on the blockchain please 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 make a game out of them right you been you've been there like that and we we were yeah. we were coming at we were at a place coming at it from the other direction like 20 years too early yep it was a yep. good game. Anyway, my point is, I sympathize with this because when I landed in economics, the first thing was you got to learn how to play a collectible card game, and I'm like, okay, give me this, <laughs> give me the starter. There was a starter deck, right, that you got for free. You download the app, I get it, and I yeah, I spent spent several weeks learning yep. how to play Chronix. Okay, great, I could do this and tap that and combine this and yep. these things. Great. And what are we gonna yeah. do now?
0: And that's admittedly that's like um, you know, even though I wasn't a Magic player, like I said, I did get into a game called Legend of the Five Rings that came out not long after you know immediate competitor to Magic: The gathering and how did i learn that game i was at gen con when it was released and their big promotion was they had the same kind of concept of a sealed deck of cards that was immediately playable it had a little rule book inside it and they were just handing them out like candy here's a free one so and and as i recall if you got one they would punch your your badge uh to show that you had already gotten one and I think it, there was a different punch for each day. So if you were really into it, you could probably get three oh of them like going back each day and be oh like, my. "Okay, give me my free, give me my hit, man, give me my free hit." Um, <laughs> and that's exactly how, like a friend, the friend crazy. that I was going to Gen Con with, we each like got a deck and we brought them back to our hotel room in the evening after playing all our D and D all day, and we're like, "All right, I guess let's dig through these cards and figure out how to play this thing." There was no mentorship at that point uh, in yeah. terms of. Uh, because there just wasn't anyone to mentor like there was a new thing right cuz you were first uh, you were first yeah you right? we were first yeah
1: yeah yeah, yeah. someone's going to be first
0: yeah but it's just so Amazing. interesting to me that it feels to me and I might be totally off base here but it feels to me like the modern way of getting into magic the gathering is to just is that they're just implicitly leaning on the community for doing mentorship that there's an expectation that you're not just gonna buy it off the shelf and and again, I don't. It's not a hundred percent because, like I said, these starter kits exist. I wouldn't be surprised if I went down to like Target and found them, or Walmart or whatever, and found them on the on the in the game section of like, here's a Magic the Gathering starter kit. Grab, buy it, and sit down with your friend and play the game.
1: Okay, but okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it is supposed to be a social hobby, right? So whether you're talking role playing or card games or whatever, or board games even, right? It is supposed to be a social hobby, right? The original intent was to, you know, be playing it with other human beings. Um, I think Josh uh, commented earlier in the hour that most games through human history. You had to probably learn from a human being. Um, So, you know, it makes sense. That's where it should be, you know, going. And I would...
0: I would lean into this this idea and and why why my kind of thesis is like that it's kind of required is that like this is how the the habit or the or the enjoyment of playing spreads, I think, right? Is through mentorship. I mentor a group of people into playing, into learning how to play the game or learning how to DM. So so I teach someone else how to DM, they go then start their own group. This is basically the definition of virality, of marketing virality, right? Like this is like this is how excitement around a game spreads and it makes sense to me that you would want that like and you should encourage that like why not
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i, I you know the, the how it feel how it feels to me is sharing joy i mean to to me right you know d fundamentally and you know feel free to shave the trademark off it i like these things you know when 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 open gaming came around i was very hopeful um that you know the the, the core rules would be free uh to to distribute freely to people that when we we got them to join us in our hob- hobby and for me you know the game hits all the buttons all at once it's it's math it's social it's strategic it's fantastical it's creative it's imaginative it's you know play acting um and it's you know it's everything all at once and being able to you know feel fully used you know find find a hobby form that fully uses everything in me Um, you know, I, I kind of wanted to constantly share that joy about that and, um, you know, regardless of whether it's benefiting a particular company or not, you know, I want it, I wanted that in the world, expanding, you know, bringing people together. Um, and, um, you know, if, if, you know, if a company can make money off it, so be it. Not necessary in my, my opinion, but you know, I'm like that. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs)
0: that we are totally out of time What, what are your final thoughts on uh mentorship in in d d or rpgs or games in general
1: well we we know there's a great there's a there's a huge continuum right so we we know that you know you and i and and some other folks in the chat you know learn from the books totally you know totally viable or at a time when you couldn't see online streaming we would Get in a basement with a bunch of awkward, possibly teenagers, right? <laughs> figuring out on the on the fly for the first time and if if other people uh, learn better with uh, you know with a more social situation with with mentors to help mm-hmm. them, definitely do that. Um, and you know again the uh, the nice and organized the nice and organized principle, I think from willingham is is pretty good. so mm-hmm. so I would you know i would I would be you know very warm. If someone wants to, you know, play or DM, that's the best thing ever. That's the best thing ever. You should, we, we should, we, you know, inc- get in there and encourage that in any way, any way, shape, and form you can, um, because um, that's that's what it's about.
0: Yep, yep. I would, I would even say that there is almost a form of mentorship going on when you run a game. The DM is mentoring the players in this hobby in in some yes. way right they're sharing joy and they're teaching rules they're you know granted, you're, you're also playing a specific role in the game itself but um i think I, I do feel like there's a form of mentorship happening there um and as i say to everyone and i've seen this especially when when playing with new players often there's hesitance they're like oh well, i don't really know the rules it's intimidating it's overwhelming right.
1: They're I, apologetic. I, I, you know, I, don't want to. I always get, oh, yeah, I'm so sorry. Apologetic. I don't know how to play D&D, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah. My, my response yeah. is, this is the best thing. You don't understand. Getting a, new, getting a new player for the first time with fresh eyes is the single best thing about the game. Yep,
0: yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, and, and that's usually what I, what I try to say. is like, oh, no, 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 I love playing with new players. It's my favorite. Please come, please come. Don't bother reading the books. I don't care about that nonsense. Just come yes. sit on the table and really. enjoy the experience. There you
1: go. See, that's inviting. I think about this so much, Paul. We're on the same wavelength, <laughs> wavelength about that. Right? And and make it yeah. as, as inviting and warm just like that as you possibly can. That's that's where it ought to be. There you go. That's good mentorship. Okay.
0: Viewers, if you have thoughts on mentorship in games, uh, how you've seen it, whether you think it's required or not, uh, how we could incorporate it more into uh, into our hobby, uh, give, us a, give us a shout here in the comments. Tell us your thoughts, and uh, we'd love to read them, and maybe that'll spin up a new topic for a future episode.
1: Definitely. Or maybe there's some new game that's being rolled out at PAX Unplugged this weekend that you've been picking up because you're there. Maybe leave a comment about what you think the next, the, the next big up and come is. We'd love to hear that. And, of course, remember that you can like, follow, and subscribe to us. We're on YouTube and Twitch and Facebook and GitHub and TikTok, and we have to handle wandering DMs on all the sites. So please look for us there. If you prefer to listen to us in
0: audio-only podcast format, you can find those podcasts at our website at wanderingvms.com Also, there are various carriers such as iTunes and Spotify uh, and a variety of others. If you are listening to this right now on a third-party carrier website and they give the ability to do so, please rate and review our show. That helps other uh, users of that site find us, and we really appreciate it.
1: We really do. And of course, a uh, big thanks to our patrons who support the show. Uh, it, just like Paul said at the top of the show, if you'd like to join them, please visit patreon.com slash wandering DMs. And every single one of our tiers gets you access to our Discord server where the conversation continues 24-7 about all these kinds of topics. And D&D and wargaming and horror games and 5th edition, anything anything that's that's very close to our hearts. Um, we love and we will be on our uh, after our live after chat video in about 10 minutes um, to hear more great ideas about mentorship um, that uh, we didn't get to catch in the chat as it flew by there. Now we have I think, Paul, we have one more episode that we're going to do this season for 2023, I believe. Is that Have I got that calendar right? Yeah, yeah,
0: that is correct. We always take a little break around the holiday season, take Take about three weeks off to enjoy the holidays and to reset and start the new season, season six, coming in uh, January 24.
1: Oh, well, my goodness. We do. That's right. So, yeah, right. Yeah, so we have one more. So next next Sunday, we'll have, uh, I believe, our 40th episode of the year. And as um, some folks have reminded us, that also marks the fifth anniversary that we have been doing this. So... We'll have a little bit, I think we'll be planning a little bit of a reflective show of our our favorite bits this year. And and frankly, our favorite bits of all time, going back to five years ago this this month when we started it. So I'm personally looking forward to that next week. Yeah,
0: personal thanks to uh, any of our viewers who contributed uh, to the fandom page for Wandering DMs, which is now my primary resource for remembering what the hell we've done in the past. So (laughs) thank you so much to our viewers for putting that together. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and for maintaining it. It's a, it's a great resource.
1: It's a group project, really. It's a, you, we need yeah. the whole party together. We couldn't we could possibly do this. So oh, thank you guys so much. And of course, don't forget, uh, we, uh, The Wondering DMs, with you guys, we're live every Sunday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. So please join us again next week for another thought-provoking discussion. We'll see you then.